0: Hello and welcome to COVID Stories, a podcast series regarding leadership following the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm your host, Dallas Emerson, Director of Business Development at the IT Guys. Before we get started, these interviews were conducted during the COVID lockdown and were held over Microsoft Teams. Any sound quality issues are the result of social distancing that we're all too familiar with. If you're listening on our site, we're thrilled to have you, but you might find it easier to listen to Covid stories through iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Joining me today is Chad Stewart, founder and senior software advisor at Smart Thoughts. How are you doing, Chad? I'm doing great, Dallas. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to have you on. Uh, it's it's kind of nice getting to have an in-depth conversation with you. I know our uh, we're in each other's orbit a lot, but I don't know if we've ever actually met, so I'm just happy to be having this conversation.
1: <laughs> Isn't that the way life is in our world, I think, these days?
0: Yeah, even before social distancing. Yes, exactly. Okay, so this is the question I ask everybody to start off. I'm sure if we have uh, some listeners who've listened to too many of these episodes, and they might be tired of hearing this, but I think it's important that we get, that we're all on the same page. When did you know? That COVID nineteen was the real deal, uh, and how did your world change at that point?
1: Oh gosh, um, I think like a lot of people, you know, for well, I think for a lot of people there there is a distinct time, and for me personally, it was uh, March eleventh. Um, I was watching NBA on TV, and then I was notified and, and saw that they had canceled the uh, season. So the NBA shutdown was really kind of the pivotal moment. It was kind of like when JFK, JFK got shot or the towers went down moment for me. Uh, in essence, it just really struck home like, wow, this is really serious stuff here. And then subsequently the NCAA tournament uh, canceling was even, probably even more substantial in terms of my mind because my family and I and, and many, many people, um, you know, participated in the final four. Season and look forward to it every year. And I, I got, quickly became depressed because there were no games and none in foresight. So it was really a big, um, big issue, a big deal for me. And that's probably when it happened around the 11th or 12th. And so um, it really changed my life personally as well as professionally uh, from that day forward.
0: And w- when you say professionally, how did it change your life professionally?
1: Well, almost. Within that day, uh, that week, I should say, within days, I uh, had projects that were going to be starting, meaning projects that I get hired for, which is usually software uh, assessments and selection projects that were put on halt uh, indefinitely, uh, one that was put off for several months um, and were to be revisited, I guess, um, right around this time, actually. So uh, the project stalled. uh Acquisitions of AMS systems seemed to kind of, you know, go into a mode of of, of um, uncertainty, I guess, if you will, and evaluation of systems. Uh, everybody kind of was in panic mode, I think, for a certain uh, spell there, and, and their jerk, nurk, uh, their jerk reaction, I guess, is it knee jerk reaction, was basically to stop.
0: You know, that's interesting, and I think we're going to get into that a little bit more uh, in a little while here. But I noticed a similar thing, that even if people weren't happy with a particular service, particular product, that the MO seems to have been, I'm not dead yet or my company isn't dying with this thing, so I'm not going to change it right now, even if it's not the best uh, solution for kind of this crazy world we're moving into, it was very much a let's not change anything right now or anything else, I should say.
1: Yeah, change. It's tough, isn't it? Right. And so they were thrust to think about, you know, things that they don't deal with every day. All of us were. And they just basically um, it's the fight or flight and um, mentality. So they basically just kind of withdrew and didn't do anything. You know, it was crazy.
0: Yeah. So right now. Everyone is talking, you know, on the subject of change, everyone is talking about, or at least everybody that I'm in contact with is talking about the virtual transformation. What does that mean?
1: <laughs> you know, I always uh unpack, you know, acronyms all the time, whether they're dealing with uh, any type you know, in essence, it means different things to different people, I think. So CRM means different things to people, as I always talk about. Um AMS means different things to different people. And digital transformation certainly does as well, and I think most people have heard about uh, you know digital transformation, but virtual transformation I think is a little bit different but in in general there I think people are mistaking those two uh, if you will so virtual transformation is or virtual transformation is basically just doing anything you can within the organization that you you work within in order to make uh, experiences. More real uh, in a in a in a cloud base or a virtual manner. We're doing it right now, so we're basically having a meeting right now, which is an element of virtual transformation for a lot of people. They didn't have, you know, meetings where we were doing like we are in Zoom and Go to Meeting and things of that nature as uh, a regular business practice, if you will. So. Virtual transformation not takes it from from more of the collaboration side of things too, but also outwards to things that you know uh, have to do with websites and with communications and and all that that you know constitutes, if you will. So it's it's um it's far reaching. It's much more you know it's dealing with the external, uh, the internal, and the kind of the holistic aspects of an organization, if you will. So the external in the world of the associations would be. Um, All the communications as the member experience, right? The external communications, the organization, all the newsletters they send out, the emailing systems that they use, those type of things. And so, um, in essence, virtual just basically brings the art of being in person to uh, the digital world.
0: Okay. And if you could... And maybe this is trying to split too fine a hair, but you you brought it up. If you could try to define the difference between virtual transformation and digital transformation, how would you, yeah. how would you
1: define that? Well, I think for association, digital transformation, again, very commonly confused, should be basically it's based should be based on how you serve your members with all the platforms you use externally and internally, right? Um, and so the transformation would be actually that process of getting to every system in a digital way, digital uh, format, I guess, if you will. So digital transformation would be that ultimate, probably far reaching um, goal that most people don't totally achieve uh, very quickly um, in getting your members and the plat- using all the platforms you have to serve your members externally, internally um, in a digital
0: world. So it seems like digital is a little bit, Behind the scenes, if you will, or, or not necessarily behind the scenes, but it's about how your operations work, where your information is stored, whereas virtual is about how the people interact with that information and with each other.
1: Yeah. And I think, again, it goes back to the, you know, if you kind of digital transportation, it's the, uh, the impact of digital on the organization, right? It's the, and, it, and that includes the members, meaning external, the, the member experience, if you will, the business operations, meaning the people, that the staff, if you will, that do the internal communications and the decision making of the organization, right, and then in the whole aspect of being transformed is the holistic aspect of the entire organization uh, strategy that serves that those two uh, the external internal uh, areas of the organization. does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, I think so. Thank you for helping yeah. me clear that up. I think sometimes people in our kind of tech world. There's just a lot of assumptions we bring to the table, and I think it leaves a lot of, well, association people who aren't necessarily tech experts behind. So I really appreciate uh, you digging down into that with me. So you know, I mean, even if you
1: go to just to, not to <laughs> belabor the point, but even if you look at different people and so-called pundits and experts, they have their own way of thinking in that, describing it right. Uh, but and certainly the association world has a different thought process, if you will. So it is confusing, and you know, we read a lot of different things, and wholeheartedly, each and every day, we want to understand, but sometimes a little bit of the information is confusing. So there's, there's, there's reason for it, meaningful, you know, uh, reasons for, for it being uh, in a way that people don't understand.
0: Yeah. So you had mentioned something uh, earlier about working with Zoom, doing these kind of video chats. And I feel like a lot of organizations or or maybe not a lot, but some organizations almost have this mindset of, well, we got virtual meetings set up, so we're done. We've virtualized our operations. But I think we both know that, that there's more you can do. So what can associations in particular do to further virtualize their operations beyond just a video chat? Sure. So, well,
1: there's a lot of different technology that associations use in their enterprise, and so that aspect of collaboration and meetings itself certainly is a a big part of, you know, getting uh, in digital, in in, into a digital, you know, world, if you will. But as you mentioned, events I think is another aspect of it. Um, You're seeing now virtual reality. you know, coming to play into events and associations. And as a result of, again, going back to what we just talked about, Dallas was wanting to make the experience feel more real, meaning, the, you know, building out avatars like gaming, you know, in order to look like a person that attends a training session or to um, go to a conference and go to, you know, a digital room a session and to a place, if you will, though, you know, events are certainly another area, but there's also the job board. You know, a lot of people don't have job boards on, on websites, right. And, and making it digital and actually having a job board that people could, um, you know, leverage and use in order to, you know, find jobs for their uh, members, if you will, or allow them to post jobs uh, for their companies, if they're members. But learning management is another big area that I think, you know, um, Obviously I mentioned collaboration beyond just the, just what we're talking about with Zoom, but is collaborative forums, if you will, and actually having, you know, abilities for people to have, you know, threaded discussions in real time virtually with people, um, are becoming more and more, even though they are, have been for many years now, even more and more commonplace and some, something's looking as, as a part of their digital transformation, I guess, if you will. So the main thing is, when we define this whole digital transformation and all these different tools is this integration of all the different tools, all the areas of their businesses that they have the, fun, you know, and the fundamental changes and how those processes impact uh, and are all brought together to have one unified experience from one trans, um, uh, you know, to one um, one experience to the other on their website and through that organization. So it's the door, it's the window into the organization and then wherever they go, it's a part of that virtual, that experience, and that um, ability for that organization or that person who's on the website to experience, you know, their culture through the digital world.
0: There's a lot in there. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. You kind of talked about some evolutionary aspects, adding job boards, more uh, robust forums. Uh, but something you mentioned right up at the top, which I, I think is a fascinating concept, um, and I think it's somewhat revolutionary, is the idea of essentially creating virtual meeting spaces where there is, what you're describing is essentially, for lack of a better term, a video game that we use for business purposes. Oh, and it's so fantastic. If you haven't already
1: experienced them, you should. Uh, And I think that we, meaning um, IT folks uh, that are in the associate space sometime, um, you know, don't give them enough credit, but I think we're ripe for the these type of things uh, because, you know, when I – reason why people stop their projects for, say, AMSs or or whatnot is that they – it goes back to not understanding where their revenue is going to come from, and a lot of them lost in, you know, 50%, 60% of their revenue and sometimes 100% of their revenue from events. So, you know, it's either, again, fight or flight. So they have to figure out exactly what it is they need to do in order to basically get revenue. but The the whole aspect of associations is being social. And so a large part of what these avatars allow is for people to personalize who they are and to personalize the experience and to build out a world that basically is similar to what we know now in a digital way. And so it is like gaming, uh, and gaming technology has infused itself into a lot of systems today. And virtual and virtual reality – is something that will continue to become commonplace, but systems that allow for building out the places and then the people within the places to act as if you're, you know, in person is going to become more and more a part of, I think, the norm. It's going to be a hybrid for a lot of people, I think, going forward, meaning it's not, you know, after maybe all this kind of, the dust settles and people become more familiar with how to, um, you know, deal with this situation we're in right now. And But I still think, think that the hybrid or the virtuals become more and more commonplace because it it brings more um, social capabilities and you know more authenticity between people when you have some you know more interactive color behind you know you know an experience i guess if you will
0: i mean that, that's fascinating uh, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin i've not experienced uh This kind of virtual meeting space, but I look forward to giving it a try. You, you, had, you had mentioned in there that, you know, a lot of these organizations and we're we're both in the association world. That's kind of where. Yeah, that's 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 sort of our, our mindset. Most of the time, a lot of these organizations are looking at tough times ahead. And you know, beyond maybe virtual meetings, what other technologies out there that can help make the that can help these organizations make ends meet?
1: Well, I think when we start thinking about well, the first thing that I think most people is you're right. It's not just about meetings, but it's also about what. I mean, what where associations get revenue from? So in essence, it's dues and education and meetings, right? So when we talk about other things that they go to do in order to improve their stance, if you will, is they have to, you know, integrate those, those, infuse those into possibly the most integrated, uh, way. Um, but what by default, what they do and what they gain from that is not the old proverbial do things better, faster and smarter. And, uh, but they, they gain efficiencies, right? They build the efficiencies there. And that will allow them to to do better, I guess, in terms of tech, making them and helping them do better. But it's also the building of relationships. So what I mean by that, and I think that's the core of every association, is how are we going to help our members do more for their profession and their cause and their uh, you know uh, uh, company? And so when we start building out relationships and we make them stronger and we do it more personalized, um, we need tools to help us with that. And a lot of that is what I just talked about before is this, these, um, you know, collaboration tools and things of that nature. But it all it all kind of funnels into the building up the value of that association for the members. And then once you have them using the systems, I think that's when, in essence, they really gain better visibility on what they care about. And so they can personalize those experiences Uh, take account of what they care about more, and they'd be more positioned smarter about how they disseminate information, provide services, and, you know, um, interact to give and build more value for them. So if it's all in one system or it's integrated nicely uh, into one system and they can see all aspects of how they interact, what they care about, and they see, you know, better visibility as an organization, they're better prepared to help. And so they right now more than anything, I think a lot of these organizations need to take uh, stock of their situation, and a lot of them are challenged because they don't have visibility into all the different facets of understanding of how their you know interactions um, are all related in different systems right and so if they pull it in together, they can be better prepared to personalize and provide better value and so they can have better visibility into what they do better to plan more and to provide better um, you know, resources, if you will, to their constituents.
0: Makes that uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I I'm wondering, and it may sound a little counterintuitive because here we are talking about how a lot of associations are heading toward hard times. But do you think there's the potential that given how much information people are consuming on how COVID-19 impacts every individual industry that for some associations in the long run, this may wind up being, I don't want to say beneficial, but they will wind up uh, having greater prominence in their industry than they had before.
1: Oh, most definitely. It's just like anything else. I think that, you know, the folks that are, um, You know, planning and thinking through and um, using this as an opportunity to begin again more intelligently are the ones that are going to to be um, valid and remain, um, you know, viable as an alternative for people to be drawn to. So it's either they're going to either you know the old proverbial sink or swim situation. So they're going to they have they have to do their backs up against the wall. Most people, most organizations don't you know, react until they're forced to. And this has put us in a position uh, where we're having to rethink the things that, you know, we thought um, were safe and were tried and true tested. And then a new new variable was inserted that required people to to shift. And so the people that shift correctly, the people that think of this as an opportunity rather than uh, the demise, will be the ones better prepared and better, you know, in a stance to to pivot from this in a beneficial way.
0: And so back toward the harder aspect of, the, of this question, I mean, obviously no one wants to lose their job. I and mean, obviously no one enjoys firing anyone. But you know, we're both in technology and there's a lot of cash-strapped organizations out there. So for those organizations that are looking at needing to tighten the belt, what functions can be automated or outsourced? What what things can technology help take over or make more efficient in the association world today?
1: Well, again, I think it most most importantly is a lot of people need to you know plan, and they need to have in order to plan, they need to have visibility of what's transpired, and then they need to have the foresight to predict to a certain degree what's gonna you know happen that's gonna uh, that they that they're going to have to deal with. In the case of associations, you know, you have to think about the revenue opportunities that they historically have had and how they can um, better provide those in different ways. And that's what's kind of the impetus for our initial conversations about transformation and digital. Um, but you got to automate your workflow, right? You can be a little bit more effective and efficient with some of the mundane back office. Uh, non, uh, facing, um, you know, relationship opportunities because you need to have more people out in front developing relationships and understanding what it is that they need, meaning the members need. And so it doesn't do anybody any good to, you know, send out dues manually. <laughs> you can automate how you send out dues in a, in most time, a scheduled process where you have, you know, they go out, you know, 30, you know, uh, 90 days, you know, 60 days, 30 days in advance. And you can automate that in most systems. So you need to build in workflow in order to enhance, you know, the capability to do things, you know, more efficiently and effective um, rather than, you know, you know, doing those things manually. And as a result of that, then you redeploy them into much more impactful areas, i.e. developing relationships and, you know, taking a stance of being empathetic, to listen, to respond, and to help. And um, that's what associations are in. They're in the helping business, helping them, you know, pull people together to get things done uh, professionally and uh, personally and uh, as a group in order to achieve a, a mutual mission. So you don't need to let everybody go, but I do believe, yeah, obviously there's going to be people that are are let go. Um, but if they do do let let people go, they can't, Get away with some of the things that have to happen. And so they need to work, they need to work on building out or having systems to build out workflow to automate some of the things that are doing, being done perhaps in the back office side of things. But I don't think you can get away from the front facing aspect of things where you're building relationships, which in turn, um, you know, allow them to understand, which gives them the ability to know what services to provide.
0: And that makes a lot of sense. And kind of on your, your point of, the of reapplying resources to more outward facing. Uh, I'm familiar with an organization an association here in central Texas who uh, used to have a full-time IT person, well, that person retired and they took part of that person's uh, former salary and applied it to outsourcing IT. And then they took part of that and they hired on a marketing consultant and they were able to expand their membership, which then meant they were able to hire on that marketing consultant full time and then they were able to expand their uh, membership even further. And so I think uh, you're right and uh, oh, I I can agree course. more. I mean
1: I think if you look at the vast majority of businesses today um you know they're not, they're not here and specifically into your point about IT they're not you shouldn't be in the business of running you know um big mainframes office anymore. You you don't have to be running servers, you don't you shouldn't be a data center Uh, a network, you know, and you you can outsource those things and allow more um, opportunities for the people to do what's there, what's important, which is to help.
0: Yes, and on your point, and this is going to be me on on a soapbox real quick here, Chad, so just bear with me, but I know of so many people who, when, Uh, talking about uh, moving their database into a cloud-based server, the the first thing they say is, well, how do I know it's secure? Or I think it's more secure in our office. And let me just say to the listener out there who is cringing because they hear Chad and me talking about uh, moving to a cloud-based solution, I guarantee you your association or nonprofit doesn't have as much money as Microsoft, Amazon, Google, or Apple to secure your data. So these cloud-based providers that we're talking about, are inherently more secure there i'm off my soapbox now
1: <laughs> well yeah and it's true I, I agree wholeheartedly but i think they're obviously you they don't have most of the time i mean from my experience before people you know uh, you know moved more uh to the cloud usually a disaster recovery uh plan uh even to address or even an operational kind of continuity plan either you know, it's there's. They just don't have those resources because they're doing other things, right? And so having somebody that's focused in on doing beyond just the basics ensures uh, viability and stability and ability, you know, the the uh, impact to get things done uh, more quicker and faster, and that's why you outsource.
0: Yeah. Okay, so at the top we'd mentioned this, and I wanted to kind of hold off this conversation till well, now. Uh, but you and I have both seen a lot of very understandable small c conservative behavior in association leadership right now, uh, typified by the if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. Obviously that works in the short run, right? Because you don't want all of the changes to happen simultaneously. But is that mentality sustainable?
1: Oh no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not at all. And not, not today and not long term. You know, My experience has been perhaps you can um, either agree or disagree, but there's usually three groups of people um, that are kind of tend to slow the transformation, the momentum, and to keep things back. Those are those, you kind of mentioned the old timers. They have that, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality, more or less. They're, you know, by the book players or another group, you know, kind of doing the things they are. And then those people that kind of do things themselves and the people that don't want to move forward um, are pretty commonplace, but they're the ones that we talked about um, are not going to be able to survive and to continue to thrive, not just survive, but thrive moving forward. And there will be organizations that thrive moving forward, but they're not going to be doing that when they're sitting still and not doing anything and clamming up and uh, hoping things change.
0: So then – what moves should associations and other not-for-profit organizations be making or preparing to make maybe now? You know, we're at the beginning of summer. What should they be thinking about doing? Uh, in well, well, their, for well, their next steps?
1: if they haven't already, they need to sit down and start developing, a, you know, go back in time and plan, right? Sit down and, and think uh, what they need to do uh, in order to provide better uh, services, uh, education, um training develop resources and knowledge of information that people can get quickly in order to uh, allow them to to do better in their jobs and their professions and so the moves right now are all about planning it's about providing you know the best resources and services that they can in order to help educate and train and knowledge a transfer of information those are the things that i think they need to do now and they need to find the tools uh, if they don't already uh, to successfully achieve those things. And so now's a great time to take account of the assets they have, meaning, and when we talk about planning, what I mean by that is playing, you know, to look at what's working, what's not, Um, you know, what are the gaps that we have? And it's not just technology. I mean, people are so important. And so you need to have people in order to, so you have to take account of the people as well. And then look at your processes. And so plan for the future based on those ideas of what do we have now? uh, What are the assets that are working? And then if there's assets, whether it's technology um, related or even people, then they need a uh, tool for the appropriate circumstances that you'll find yourselves in the future.
0: Now, that makes a lot of sense. That's that's great input there. Uh, Now, okay, I want to be sensitive to your time. So I just have two more questions for you, Chad. Oh, I'm fine. Uh, so which, this is maybe a broad question, uh, but which do you think has a bigger potential to revolutionize membership driven organizations, more operationally focused technology, you know, more advanced AMSs or more advanced, uh, well, not, not necessarily AMSs, but more advanced internal operations or outward facing programs and events technology. Which of those do you think is the bigger potential uh, for changing how, associations work day to day
1: today and probably future I think it goes back to the outward facing programs um, specifically you know you know going back to my thought process that you know associations are by nature social entities and so uh, they need to find ways by which to you know improve uh, their ability to uh, communicate collaborate and and give outward you know experiences, um to to their members and so events is usually a logical thought process we talked about collaboration tools and you know it will never go away we need to belong and so anything that's going to bring people together you know to feel like they're part of that community and getting value out of community is absolutely critical right now and helping people achieve uh what they need to in order to be successful um, and that includes uh, the business they work for in the cases of trade organizations. So I would have to say Dallas outward facing programs right now and even further into the future as well um, would be applicable.
0: Well, you know, it, you, you make a good point. Where is the uh, what is the focus of associations? And, you know, it's kind of funny thinking about these virtual meeting groups. I'm reminded I, I don't know if you saw in the news a few weeks ago. Uh the video game Fortnite held a concert online. They had real musicians performing online and people attended a, a concert. And so it it's kind of a large scale proof of concept of what you're talking about of getting people together in a totally virtual environment.
1: Yeah, I believe that's continue and they'll get better and better as well. Yeah. Okay, so. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a follower of sci-fi films. You know, you see all these, you know, the Matrix and you know, uh, virtual real, reality where they, you know, put on a headset and you you can go somewhere and be wherever you want to. Uh, <laughs> we're not there yet, but those are the things that I I get kind of fascinated by, and, I, and to some degree, some of these systems that are out there, they're coming into the world. These gaming systems that are, and you know, initially. Played and as a game, uh, these, uh, these techniques and the technologies, the gaming principles, if you will, are finding their way into obviously the enterprise tools that we all use. And so it's, uh, well, I think a trend that will continue and it's all as a result of, you know, uh, building, um, uh, in, in, in pulling people into reality, real experiences, if you will.
0: Yeah. Well, and uh, kind of further proof of what you're talking about, uh, it was a while back, maybe even a couple of years ago at a TSAE event, um, they had a virtual reality demo. Uh, and what the point of the company was trying to make was that they could use virtual reality to uh, tour event spaces uh, across the country. So you didn't have to pay for flying anymore. But uh, I don't know if anybody was quite where you are right now, uh, at least that I knew of a uh, uh, Talking about using this technology to hold full on events, but it makes sense. It it really does. Uh, So if I know that you were uh, your job is offering advice, but I guess I'm going to ask you for a little bit of free work here. If you could offer a little bit of your expert advice to somebody, to anyone who's listening, uh, you know, be they a grizzled veteran or a total newbie in the association world. What would your advice be to them right now?
1: Well first would be just relax. I mean, I know it's hard and um easy to say, but this too shall pass. We've seen a lot of things. We're as a whole, you know, associations. I've been in Association World for two decades now and we've gone through many challenges that, that we've faced uh, uh you know, through the course of that. Um, you know, we've we've had a crash, we've had, you know, nine eleven, we've had um even for many people, the moving from uh, the y two k scenario as well I mean all these things have happened, and they will continue to happen and change will continue to transpire so I would just use this you know uh, the time right now to relax and to take account of the assets and to uh, prepare and to plan for the new and to you know if you don't already um, have in place, um, some understanding of the the things that you need to do moving forward um, to get into this new world uh, and how you do business. And I think by doing that, you'll have some, um, you know, comfort, if you will, and you'll have, you know, if you have it down and understand it and you deal with it, you'll be much better prepared and much more relaxed to continue to lead. And because uh, you'll you have a better understanding because if we don't, our mind continually, you know, kind of thinks negatively and we don't know what we don't know. And um right now, it's a good time to take, you know, account of all the assets and we're all blessed uh in different ways. And then to leverage and utilize those to move forward in an educated way, I think, is the best possible advice I can give right now.
0: I don't know if I could have said it better myself. Well, Chad... Thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you so much for your input. I really enjoyed this conversation uh, and I, I know well. that somebody out there uh, is benefiting from your expertise. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much Dallas for having me and I hope it did and does. And I would say that I'm open. Uh, I got in this business to you know, help uh, nonprofits and associations and I, I love to, to listen. Um, and to to help. And so anytime that uh, they'd they like to, they, they're more than welcome to give me a call and chat and uh, see what we can do to help each other.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Chad.
1: Thank you, Dallas. Have a good day.
0: You too. Thank you for listening. I'm Dallas Emerson with the IT Guys, and this has been COVID Stories. I'd like to remind listeners that you have a COVID story and we want to hear it. Send me an email at dallas at and let's set up a time to talk about your COVID story. Your story may be just the thing someone needs to hear. Thanks again.